Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. For weeks I have been feeling that we are living no longer prophetically, but literally in Romans 1.16 through 2.11. It's where we are. Romans 1 deals with the condition of our world and why, and Romans 2 deals with the condition of the church. And some of the people the most upset at the condition of the world are no different. And Romans 2 deals with that. And so, let's dive in. If you weren't here last Sunday for the wrap-up of our Genesis series, I really encourage you to at least watch the last one. I felt it was the most important session on the life of Joseph, on how to overcome grudges. It's time to begrudge our grudges. Time to get offended at our offenses. Amen. Follow the example of Joseph. So Paul, in writing this letter to Rome, he's not been there as a believer, as a church planner, and a church has already gotten planted. The gospel had already made it to Rome, and it was already believers there, the gospel threading through the synagogues throughout the Roman empire. And they, like the Galatians, had a Jew-Gentile thing going on. And so he was writing this letter, hoping to one day meet them on his way to Spain. He did make it to Rome, but it wasn't the way he planned on going. As Joe Duncan has preached a couple times, sometimes the road to Oklahoma goes through Mexico. God doesn't always do the things the way you want him to do them. He did make it. God doesn't always do things the way you want them done. And uh, so he's writing this encouraging letter, and after introductory remarks, he starts off preaching. I am not ashamed. I want to come to you, and I'm going to come to you fearlessly. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone, somebody said everybody, to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And that offer still stands. If a Gentile can get saved, a Jew can get saved. The Holocaust was a horrible thing, but it didn't push God off of plan A. Plan A was to send the Messiah through their lineage, the lineage of David, to carry the sins of the world, and he is the Savior of the world. Can I get an amen? amen? For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So God's righteousness is revealed from Abraham's faith to our faith. From God's faith who gives us saving faith to us. From the faith of the person witnessing to you, preaching to you, to the faith that dawns in your heart. God's righteousness is revealed. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. That verse is in Habakkuk chapter 2 that begins with words kind of like this, write the vision down and make it plain on tablets so that he who reads it may run with it. 
the vision is yet for an appointed time. The prideful are going to meet their doom, but the just shall live by faith. And so that appointed time came when Jesus came to bring us the gift of saving faith, the gospel. The word there, by, is the Greek word ek, which means from or of. So the just or the righteous person will live from their faith. If you are a believer, you will live like it. It was an Amy Grant that said, I'm going to live like a believer, turn my back on the deceiver. I'm going to live what I believe. I have decided to follow Jesus. I better stop before I mess it completely up. (laughs) So the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. Now he's fixing to dive into the wrath of God. Oh, how can God have wrath? If he's righteous, you shouldn't have any wrath. Oh, really? James, the brother of Jesus, did say, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's true. Because we get mad, we just stay mad. God's, God's anger is but for a moment. God's anger is restrained. He could burn us to a crisp if he wanted to, right? But he has wrath like a righteous person would have wrath. Let's say you're a righteous person walking down the road and you see a little person getting bullied. Do you walk on the other side of the road like, like the Levite and the priest did in the story of the Great Samaritan? Or will you do something to put a stop to it? Oh, I just don't want to get involved. It can absolutely get your dander up. Wrath can rise up in your heart and, and that, that can empower you to do something you wouldn't do if you were just feeling normal, Right? So that is righteous wrath, wrath that does something about an issue. So in the wickedness of the world, what does the wrath of God lead him to do? We know there's coming a day of judgment, the great day of God's wrath, when he puts an end to all unrighteousness. But what does he do in our day? Let's find out. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Tell someone all of it and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Are we living in a day when people want to suppress the truth? I mean, there's fake news on both sides of the aisle. Verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. The fact they have an eyeball that works is proof there's a God. The delicious food you taste is proof there's a God. For God has shown it to them, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made. We know there's a creator by the creation. Add technology to it and just proves it more. Who loves the Discovery Channel? They they just continually prove there's a creator telescopically and microscopically. It's amazing. The evidence of design is everywhere. The great engineer has put this thing together in an amazing way. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. Happy Thanksgiving has become Turkey Day. 
unthankful people gorging themselves around the nation. Nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Now, in our culture, we're far too educated and sophisticated to believe a statue can do anything for us. So we worship our things, inanimate objects. Get on YouTube sometime and just enter two words, man marries or woman marries. Somebody married the Eiffel Tower, and they live in Portland. I'm tired of this separation. Somebody married their pillow. People are worshiping themselves. This is the world in which we live. How is this possible? Because we don't want to be accountable to God. When I went to school, evolution was a theory. What happened? Now it's considered a law. You repeat a lie long enough, it becomes the truth. There's a brother by the name of Kent Hovind. I love him. I don't know that I would say everything the way he says it, but he will have debates with three evolutionists <laughs> and stand his ground. Would you like to see him in action in one of them? Watch Confused. This. Being philosophically consistent and being a very honest person, I'm sure you can tell me where God came from. And in addition, in addition, once you've told me where God comes from, uh, please try to clarify how you can figure that a spiritual force can have an impact on a material universe to create it. I want you to fill in the story of the rest of the uh, beginning of the universe. God, spiritual matter, impact on material matter. Okay, so two questions. All right. Go ahead. All right, your question, where did God come from, assumes that you're thinking of the wrong, uh, obviously it displays that you're thinking of the wrong God, <laughs> because the God of the Bible d is not affected by time, space, or matter. If he's, if he's affected by time, space, or matter, he's not God. Time, space, and matter is what we call a continuum. All of them have to come into existence at the same instant, because if there were matter but no space, where would you put it? If there were matter and space but no time, when would you put it? You cannot have time, space, or matter independently. They have to come into existence simultaneously. The Bible answers that in ten words. In the beginning, there's time. God created the heaven, there's space, and the earth. There's matter. So you have time, space, matter created, a trinity of trinities there. Just, you know, time is past, present, future. Space has length, width, height. Matter has solid, liquid, gas. You have a trinity of trinities created instantaneously. And the God who created them has to be outside of them. If he's limited by time, he's not God. The guy who created this computer is not in the computer. He's not running around in there changing the numbers on the screen, okay? The God who created this universe is outside of the universe. He's above it, beyond it, in it, through it. He's, he's unaffected by it. So for, and the, I, the concept that a, a spiritual uh, force cannot have any effect on a material body, well then I guess you'd have to explain to me things like emotions and love and hatred and envy and jealousy and, and rationality. I mean, if your brain is just a random collection of chemicals that form by chance over billions of years, how on earth can you trust your own reasoning processes and the thoughts that you, you think? Okay? So, um, I, you're, 
your question, where did God come from, is assuming a limited God. And that's your problem. The God that I worship is not limited by time, space, or matter. If I could fit the infinite God in my three-pound brain, he would not be worth worshiping, that's for certain. So that's the God that I worship. Thank you. All right, let's read our next section of verses, verse 24 to the end of the chapter. Therefore, this is because of God's wrath, this is what he's done. He's unhappy at the previous verses. Because of that, therefore, in his wrath, he's let them go their own way. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You ever try to correct a child because they're going to get hurt and they just don't listen? Eventually you have to back off. You have to let him fall down. You have to let him burn his hand. If he won't listen, right? He learns, some people learn the hard way. Well, this is, this is God's wrath at work. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged a natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. If you want to dive into the internet uh, debates going on, it's over this issue, the life expectancy of those engaging in the lifestyle of homosexuality. On one hand, those that are pro-homosexual will say that's just not true. And then on the other hand, another apologist for that movement will say, it is true. It's because we're not getting enough respect that we're killing ourselves. I'm not for pushing people into killing themselves or bullying people. This is not a bashing sermon. Uh, if you think it is, just hold on. Your time is coming. <clears throat> you may run out of your screaming. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Why is evil called good and good called evil? Debased thinking. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, that's the Greek word pornos, fornication of every kind. Wickedness covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undeserving, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So that last phrase, approving of those who practice wickedness, is what's happening in our culture. None of this thing is new, but this is becoming huge. 
you want to get canceled, uh, just speak out against wickedness. And make sure you're not participating in the same kind of canceling. I mean, everybody's canceling each other, it seems like. But are there times that you catch yourself boasting? Or is your pride getting hurt? Is there someone you need to forgive? Is there anyone you'd like to see dead? <laughs> are you carrying grudges? Do you have a basket that you throw your deplorables in and you throw people in there with just the stroke of a pen? Well, they're this or they're that. If, I, if we ended right there, I would say this was the most important verse. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation, to save everyone who believes. To save them from what? From all this stuff. It's all covered right here. The gospel of Christ, the good news of the finished work of the one who came and took our place and paid the penalty of sin, the good news is powerful enough to deliver you and I from every ounce of wickedness. For everyone who believes, that's where it starts, believe in it. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. If you believe in the gospel, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, if you believe in righteousness, you will seek him with all your heart to walk in peace with all men. And you will not approve their wickedness, but you won't do wicked things yourself. You check your own heart. Walk in peace and purity. I mentioned the verse where that is quoted from, Habakkuk 2.4, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. What he believes will have an impact on how he lives. All right, let's read the rest of where I think we are at in America and the world. Therefore, chapter 2, verse 1, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. For we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. You want to bash a certain subculture while not repenting of your own sin? You judge yourself. Verse 3, And do you think, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His goodness? forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Do not be deceived by the kindness of the Lord, that he has approved your sin because his blessings are on your life. His blessings are on your life to lead you to repentance. And if we don't respond, eventually he'll just say, okay, have it your way. Welcome to hamburger land. Verse 5, in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation 
of the righteousness of God, righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. Period. Somebody said, finally, he's done. We all want glory, honor, and peace, but it's a reward to those who do what is good. Now, the gospel is good news because we can't save ourselves, right? But if we believe it has power, he will enable us to live what we believe. Jesus foretold the day of judgment. Certain people, who he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. And they'll say, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We healed the sick in your name. We did mighty deeds in your name. Those are all good things, right? He'll say, depart from me, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. The Lord wants to get all up in our grill all up in our business to deal with our day-to-day living. In the 21st century, Sunday morning Christianity is over. A 24-7 God he is. And he wants a 24-7 people who are fully devoted to him, who will live what they believe. The just shall live their faith. Can we say that? The just shall live their faith. Now, he's the one that made us just. He's the one that makes us righteous. It's called imputed righteousness. He gives it to us as a gift. Somebody said justification means just as if I never sinned. It doesn't mean that. You did sin. It's not as if you never did. But it's as if he paid it all, and he did pay it all. So you are justified. You're set apart for his glory. So we are cleansed, we're set apart, and we're justified. Perfect illustration, how many of you have gotten your children ready for church only to have them mess up their clothes before you get in the car? So you clean them up. That's cleansing, right? Then you set them apart. You put them in the chair and say, you stay there, (laughs) away from the mud puddles. So they've been cleansed, they've been set apart, and then you don't bring it up again as though it had never happened. Don't wake them up Monday, how dare you made me late to church yesterday, and it's over. You impute righteousness to them. It's a new day. They're going to mature. They're going to grow. We have been forgiven of our sins. It's awesome but we've been made righteous. It's like this. Forgiveness is like you had a great debt. Who's ever paid something off? Isn't it great to get that paper in the mail? Zero balance, yes. 
But God doesn't stop there with just forgiving our sins. He imputes us with righteousness. No longer is there a debit balance in our spiritual books. There's a credit balance that cannot be priced. It's priceless, amen? Bought for us with the precious blood of Jesus. So we've been given his righteousness. We've been given faith. By grace are you saved through faith. And that faith is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. So God gives us saving faith and gives us righteousness as a result of our salvation. But that doesn't mean you can just live like hell. Because he loves you, he will discipline you. You ever had God give you some discipline? It can be just letting you go your own way and reap what you sow and learn the hard way. Or it can be somebody just coming to you with a loving rebuke and gets you back on the right way. That's my heart today, is if you've been going astray, doing the Sunday morning thing, or the once a month thing. We've even gotten into church culture where it's not even Sunday morning, it's once a quarter or once a month. I, I love all the options we have for church. Online services are just awesome. We went to online service at another church yesterday. If you do that, Watch the whole thing. Stop fast-forwarding <laughs> and jumping to things that you just because you didn't like what you heard. Consider the word of the Lord. Amen. That was for somebody. But folks, there is a judgment day coming. Jesus said, in your red letter Bible, this is in red, the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each one according to his works. What kind of reward are you going by? Paul wrote in his second letter to the church in Corinth of Greece, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Can we say accountable? The Lord holds us accountable. What do you believe? Time to live like it. Time to walk like it. Time to talk like it. And when you mess up, change your way of thinking, change your direction, see where you got off track, and move forward with your life. Don't wallow in regret and condemnation. But get up and keep on stepping, living your faith. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for my awesome brothers and sisters that love you with all their heart, I believe, Lord. But Lord, I pray for us to see where maybe we have compromised, maybe we have justified some form of evil in our lives, Lord. I pray, Lord, you would uproot every ounce of malice from every heart, every uh, shred of envy, every pound of prejudice, every part of wickedness, Lord. We want to give it all to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. You know, John wrote... If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you find yourself in a cycle of receiving forgiveness for the same thing over and over and over, I'm not dissing you for that, but I dare say you're not really dealing with the real issue. Sometimes a repeated sin, let's say you sin when you get angry, you find yourself getting angry over and over again, and you repent, you repent, you repent, and it's just not happening, or you, you get tripped up again, I'm not here to condemn you, but go deeper. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's an unrighteousness in us, that iniquity that causes us to sin. So what's behind the anger? Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's some narcissism. Maybe you got spoiled as a child and you're just upset that you have a distorted view of the world. It just doesn't all go our way. Well, don't hold bitterness against your parents. They did their best. Repent of the issue causing it. Sometimes talking to someone will help. Amen. I'd like to end the service by singing this song again, You Can Have All, Lord. And uh, may the Lord bring a fresh level of surrender in our hearts. Let's stand as they lead us. You can have it all, Lord. Every part of my world. Take this life and breathe on This heart that is now yours You can have it all, Lord Every part of my world
this heart that is now bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. His peace means wholeness. It means health. It means freedom from defeat because you're walking in victory and not compromise. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. God bless you. Go get him, tigers. Tigers.